Welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast, a place of conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started. Welcome to the Bible Feed Podcast and to a new episode, and it's really great to welcome back Becky Lewis. So welcome, Becky. We're going to be asking, what is the point of church, aren't we? What, what yeah, is church for? So that's that's thing that we're going to tackle um, and uh, hopefully to sort of try and answer or give a give a response to that that question so wh- why why did you want to talk about this okay so this idea came from one of my children earlier on this year my eldest ten at the time and she said she didn't really understand why we went to church what the point of it was it just seemed a bit like going to school although more fun than school she said which I was glad she said that and we had to hang around at the end while I had a cup of tea and then we went home she was just questioning, you know, our reasoning for going at all. And so I thought it might be a good idea to explore this question with her. And we did so with her in the school class. We spent a session on it. And I hope that session began to give her some answers. Mm, that's really interesting. It's come from that sort of childlike curiosity. So just to, to question, why, why are we actually doing this? And sometimes <laughs> yeah. it, as, as grown-ups, as adults, just, just to go along and doing things for the sake of it almost, you know, it can can be and then it takes a child sometimes to turn around and and say well, well, well why is it that we do this it's not just your daughter though that has thought that the the trend towards people being unchurched or spiritual but not religious that kind of thing where people are maybe drifting away from church structures but maintaining some level of spirituality or wanting to in their lives so you know that maybe they've answered that question, what's the point of church? What is church for? And decided it wasn't really worth anything. Yeah, especially people who attended church before the pandemic um, and they may be struggling to get themselves mm. back through the doors to face-to-face church again. I think we'll see as we go through that historically it was easier to see the point of church than maybe it is today. But I hope I'll have found some reasons for why it's beneficial and important as a disciple of Jesus to be part of the Christian community. Okay, you mentioned historically it was earlier on this year, talk about church history and talk about how this is going way back from the early times after Jesus and the the disciples and the apostles, how the church gradually became this more sort of structured and institutional thing and became even part of the political state. In fact, Christianity ended up persecuting people that didn't believe with them. So, you know, role reversal completed from the the persecuted to the persecuting. So, yeah, we thought all about that church history in that context and thought, you know, the institutional church turned into something that it really never was. So, we're we're picking up, maybe maybe jumping a a few hundred years, but (laughs) but thinking along those, those sorts of lines, let's pick up the pieces. Yeah, and I guess for those of us uh, in the UK, we may look at this at school in history lessons, but perhaps for listeners outside the UK, you might not have studied European Christian history over the last 2,000 years. So I'm focusing on history because this was the centre of Christianity for so long. As a citizen of a European country, in order to be seen as an upright citizen, you attended church. If you didn't attend, you could be charged a fine, have your property confiscated, be imprisoned, or, or even you, you risk being put to death if your beliefs didn't line up with those of the church. So so that does seem like quite a strong motivation for attending church, doesn't it? In order to stay alive and through those times with no access to education, it would just make sense to keep attending and accept what you were told to believe. Yeah, I suppose you didn't have much choice. You had to go to church. Church was basically the the controlling force, the political force in your life, I suppose, 
forcing it on on everyone even though that's nothing to do with the teaching of Jesus as I think yeah. we saw in, in in earlier episodes and you know reading through the gospels I think shows that but it's often been like that hasn't it yeah although just a few years ago it was such a, a default normal thing to go to church it was just taken for granted that you go every Sunday most people lived in the countryside they got no easy access to a library so church was the place you went to learn about God and about Christianity and it was also the centre of the local community it was where people got married where they were buried where anything important was announced all the major life events they all centred around the church so the 19th century education was expanding and people were moving to cities and attending public lectures and all sorts of topics there was still an enormous social pressure to attend church at this point Okay, so we've gone past the time where it's compulsory, yeah. But but there's still an expectation, and the people would go to church, and and the large majority would have. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. But then you see it start in the 20th century with the growth of education and the spread of modernism, and then we come into postmodernism. Society becomes more individualistic, and one consequence of that is that religion and faith become more personal and more specific, more tailored to the individual. And I suppose we could say this begin widespread dividing of mainstream state church into smaller pockets of different Christian denominations and then right through to now in the 21st century I think most people see faith much more as a personal individual thing rather than a community thing. It's a lot more about what you think and feel in your own heart and mind rather than what group you belong to. Yeah, we're, we're talking UK, Western Europe, you know, probably North America as well. You know, that's that's where it's headed, hasn't it? And we've ended up with this kind of Religion is a personal thing. It's yeah. no longer a community thing. Yeah, and it's obviously through all of those different changes we've seen church go through, I'm sure Alice's can think of lots of advantages and disadvantages of all of those. You know, whether it's mm. better to be a Christian because of fear or ignorance or because of social pressure or, or because you've chosen to be, etc. And if we are talking in general here, there's lots of nuance we've left out. We've yeah. just done a quick flyover, really. But I just wanted to set the scene that where ch- church used to be an assumed norm and you were weird if you didn't go along, now it's the other way around. So that even people <laughs> who would label themselves as Christian, they may not physically go to church very much, whether that's a traditional type of church or a house church or something in between, it's just not the norm anymore. That's really interesting. Even Christians, even people identifying as Christians might not actually go to a building or not necessarily a building but mm. go to a, a group a community yeah. they, they might not attend and, and worship collectively it's fascinating i think the main thing you, you're saying is that you know western society has become as it's become more individualistic and focused on me mm. my own person rather than your own sort of wider family community nation that kind of thing the benefits of community aren't as apparent to people perhaps not just automatically a, accepted as they once were yes sort of yes uh, the benefits of being part of a rel- religious group i think are not so automatically accepted but i do think as a society I, I think we're moving a bit away from that individualistic point of view compared to say 20 or 30 yeah. years ago it's going to be different in different places but i definitely witnessed during my lifetime a significant shift back towards community again but i would say it's largely happening outside of church so people have realised what they're missing and, and now they're having to reconstruct these connections elsewhere. They're establishing, they're actively trying to establish supportive communities and networks in their own local neighbourhoods. And they're replacing a lot of the sort of charitable and social tasks that used to be carried out by church. Things like food banks and help for the homeless or, or providing company for those living alone. 
So, for example, just in my neighbourhood, I can think of there's a, there's a choir, there's a community garden group, there's regular litter picks, there's a social club and play fields run by the community. Um, and just recently, a social coffee afternoon started at once a fortnight where people meet up for free coffee and cake and a chat. And none of those, mm. as far as I'm aware, have any direct connection to the local church. Um, although I suppose you could say, I think it's reasonable to argue that a lot of their values of, of helping others and, and having a community, I think they've got their roots in Christian heritage. But mm. you could go along to any of those sort of activities and you wouldn't have a connection to your local church. So part of what came with church, this belonging, sense of belonging, sense of being a community, has vanished because people no longer go to church mm-hmm. and then people have discovered and realized that, that that sense of belonging that sense of community is really valuable is really important to them and and so those things are being forged anyway but yeah. outside of church that's what we're saying but, but yeah it is, it is important to notice i mean that the very culture that we've got in western society is a christian based or christian rooted culture isn't it like you mm-hmm. say so the yearning for that community is pretty much come out of the Christian heritage, which even though it's no longer at church or in church or a part of church, it's it's still part of that, like you say. Okay, so that's a quick whiz over history, <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> really quickly. Just, yeah. <laughs> Thinking back to your, your daughter, we probably haven't really explained it. What's the point of going to church or what is church for? Well, the answer looks like so far, well, there is no need for it because you can go along to all these other different places and get get some nice community spirit. That's not really explained it so far. So, you know, is there a point to church? <laughs> yeah, you're right. So within the last 20 or 30 years, the need for all of these things from the church has dropped away. So church is no longer the centre of everyday life. And gradually, one by one, various needs it used to meet have just dropped away. So now we have free access to way more information than we can ever possibly digest on the internet. We no longer need church to educate us about faith. We can listen to podcasts given by eminent Bible scholars or even ordinary people. Yes. Yep, of course. Yeah. If we wanted to have some faith discussions or or listen in on some faith discussions, we've got that. We no longer need church for our major life events because things like funerals and marriage services can take place elsewhere. Even local information announcements, they move to newspapers and magazines and enter social media. And finally, as we were just saying, churches are no longer the centre of our local communities. And, And nor do they always even take the lead in charitable work, although... They're often involved in charity work. And this was before the pandemic hit. So things were already fragmented and loose and then COVID hit. And during the pandemic, we had even greater possibilities for just picking and choosing whatever services and podcasts we wanted to listen to from all around the world. We could just zoom into any church we fancied at any time of day, seven days a week. So I think that's left a lot of people, not just my daughter, asking why, what's the point of being a regular active member of a church or religious community? Is it still at all relevant? Yeah, that's really honed down the question, hasn't it? So, yeah. yeah, we can still be Christian, we can still be spiritual, we can have our private faith, but there is just no, it seems, no purpose to being part of a church, of a community. So, I mean, how do we start with this? What is the, the point of it and what's the benefit of it and what's okay. the absolute value of it? I want to start by thinking about uh, what church looked like. So, I know previous podcasts, you've covered what the New Testament church looked like. 
So, for example, how people went through adult baptism to become members. Yeah. How the groups met in houses, you know, bread and wine, remembrance meal, and that was a central activity for them. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to dwell on that too much as it's already been covered, but I, I want to start by looking at it briefly. So let's think about the sort of activities that happen at church. So, Dan, when you go to church, what takes place there? Okay, lots of noise, lots of children running around. <laughs> but uh, then when we finally sit down, hymns, uh, songs, um, Bible readings, um, prayers, mm-hmm. there's some kind of, you know, talk, some kind of exhortation, whatever you want to call it, some kind of talk based on the Bible. And, you know, if it is the Sunday morning service, then there's the, the sharing of the, the bread and the cup, the bread and the wine as the Eucharist, the communion. Yeah, and I think that's fairly similar in most churches, both both nowadays and back when church began in the time of the New Testament. Before, that's probably different. I imagine it was quite sort of less formal than most churches have been since. Yeah. Since then, but if we have a look, there's a list in Acts two. It's just after the disciples of Jesus have received the gift of being able to speak in other languages, and they've been using this gift to preach to the visiting Jews in Jerusalem, and they're urging them to accept Jesus as their Messiah. Can you read from verse forty one to the end? We're using yeah. the Common English Bible. Yep. Yeah, okay. So Acts chapter two, and reading from verse forty one. Those who accepted Peter's message were baptized. God brought about 3,000 people into the community on that day. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Okay, so that does sound that does sound like church, doesn't it? It covers lots of mm-hmm. things. It covers baptism, teaching. So that's the sort of thing that happens today. Learning from the Bible is very similar <laughs> Yeah, giving of, of proceeds and, and helping out other people, praising God. That's mm-hmm. that, I guess that's uh, singing hymns and, and, and worship songs. So that's encouraging. We haven't gone too far away from how it all started. Yeah, but let's think about good. some key observations I've noticed from this list. I'm, I'm sure there's more, but um, here's a couple of things that I noticed when I was thinking about this topic in particular. Firstly, following baptism, it was a significant life transformation for these new converts. It wasn't just a service you attended on a Sunday, but these activities formed an integral part of their daily lives. Belief in Jesus transformed their everyday experience and what their priorities were. And, and their sense of material ownership changed. They shared everything. Uh, we see this in more detail elsewhere in the New Testament, where there's this this sense of responsibility for each other, of making sure everyone's okay and cared for and not overburdened in the same way that you would care for your close family. Um, and a lot of this was really radical for its day. You've got Jews and non-Jews sharing meals together, um, slaves and masters sitting at the same table and, and wash each other's feet. Uh, and both men and women learning from each other and treat each other with respect mm. and, and caring for them like family members. These sorts of behaviours were countercultural at the time and they would have sent out a radical message of acceptance, inclusion and love. So it's no wonder their actions brought so many more people to the community because there was an obvious transformation 
in these converts that touched all parts of their lives. Mm. And the other observation I would make is that these activities are inherently group activities and embodied shared experiences. Um, so if we think about the activities listed, it, it is possible to do some of them on their own, um, but the emphasis here is that they are sharing these experiences with other people in their faith community and, in fact, with everyone they come into contact with. So the key point there is, church wasn't just you go to church and then you just carry on this this really changed yeah. how they lived this yeah. was a whole yeah. transformation and it would have been so noticeable in the time in the roman empire with class structures hierarchies and mm. you know different races not mixing and you know all, all sorts of things it would have been suddenly so noticeable that this these these people are acting differently so that's really something to think of going to church in inverted commas is not just going to church for, for these people. It was yes. a, a life change. So yeah, some of those things we could object to and think, well, okay, we don't need people to tell us the apostles' teaching anymore as we can mm-hmm. just pick up the Bible or or indeed sit and listen to a podcast. <laughs> so if we just sit and doing some personal Bible reading and study and prayer, and then we could go and, and just contribute to some kind of secular charity around where we live, mm-hmm. that, that covers pretty much those activities. A lot of the message of the New Testament or or being a Christian is about personal salvation, individual salvation. That's certainly part of it. So why is there a need to carry on doing these things as a group? Even though that's how they did them back then, perhaps we can just be an individual private Christian now and and not go to church and but still still perform those functions. Mm, Yeah, so I think you're you're right up to a point. You, You could do a lot of these things on your own. And it's good to do them in your own time, like Jesus did when he went to be on his own with God. And the New Testament is full of passages about our salvation being through personal faith and trusting God. Too many to list here. But one of the messages of the book of Romans, for example, is that you're not saved by being in a particular chosen group of people, but by your attitude of faith. And Stephen in Acts 7, he argues that we don't need to be in a special place to worship God because God is everywhere. Mm -hmm. And the book of Hebrews shows us we don't need human priests or special rituals to become close to God because that connection is being achieved forevermore by the work of Jesus. So in that sense, yeah, we don't need a lot of the things associated with formal religion. There is a lot more freedom in in terms of how we connect with God than I think we sometimes realise as Christians. But (laughs) there are also many verses about how important it is to be part of a faith community rather than a lone disciple. So if we take examples of both Romans and Hebrews, the writer or writers, depending on who you think wrote Hebrews, after they've established that salvation is a personal thing, that you're not saved by being in the right community or by doing the right rituals, but that we each have a direct connection to God through Jesus, after establishing all of that, they conclude by showing us how important it is to be part of a faith community. So upon finding faith in God, your natural response shouldn't be to just live as a hermit somewhere so you can avoid sinning and keep yourself separate from the world. But the natural response should be that of sharing the love of God with others and accepting their help and support and becoming more like Jesus. And I think an important part of this process is having the humility to accept that you do need others to help you. You can't do this on your own, and nor does God expect you to. So let's have a look at some of those Bible passages. So we're looking at the the end of Hebrews and the end of Romans. So let's start with Hebrews. Um, Hebrews 10... Verses 24 to 25. Yeah, yeah, I'll read that. And letters, starting with halfway through a sentence, but then I think in Hebrews, as in a lot of the New Testament, we have to do that. Okay. And letters consider each other carefully for the purpose of sparking love and good deeds. Don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. 
Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. clear, isn't it? Very direct command or, or guidance to to stay with others, to, to, to make sure you meet yeah. meet with others. And the other one is Romans 12. Romans 12, verses 4 to 10. This is referring sure. to, Paul's referring to the church as the body of Christ here, so that's what he means to Yeah, okay. When you first brought up Romans, I did think, hmm, there's got the, the last few chapters of Romans, they, they really are all about making sure that the Jews and the Gentiles are together in church, you know, so Romans 12. Yeah parts in one body but the parts don't all have the same function in the same way though there are many of us we are one body in christ and individually we belong to each other we have different gifts that are consistent with god's grace that has been given to us if your gift is prophecy you should prophesy in proportion to your faith if your gift is service devote yourself to serving if your gift is teaching devote yourself to teaching if your gift is encouragement devote yourself to encouraging the one giving should do it with no strings attached. The leader should lead with passion. The one showing mercy should be cheerful. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honour to each other. That's a great passage, isn't it? It's really... Mm. All of those things are just... Yeah, I'd say both of these passages emphasise the importance of believers being together. But even more than that, especially with the Romans one, that God has put believers in places where they can contribute their particular gifts for the benefit of others. And I think an overarching message about church in the New Testament is that God is glorified in a group of people. So when the Bible talks about believers reflecting the image of God, it is one body, one image that's being talked about rather than lots of individual images. As a whole, we are more than the sum of our parts. So by being more connected with each other, we gain greater connection with God. I don't want to talk about this more here though, because for anyone who wants to hear more about it, I've already talked about this in my last Bible Feed podcast, <laughs> the one called Join the Dots, Connecting with God. So if you want to think more on that theme, it's all there for you already. So scroll down your feed in, in your podcast yeah. player. And, and find that one uh, or indeed just go on the website and search for it great so that kind of shows why it's important to god i suppose actually and why it's mm. value for us to connect to god as part of this so the bible is encouraging us if i can talk sort of broadly like that the bible the new testament the writers of romans and hebrews and, and all throughout the new testament they're encouraging christians to be together in a faith community it it looks like God knows that it would be good for our spiritual health to do that. So what do you think of the practical benefits gained? You know, what does it actually look like being part of a big community? Okay, if I had to choose one big overall benefit, I would say it's connection, as I just described. But I think there are three main aspects to that connection. I expect there's others too, but I want to focus on the three, these three main ones I've thought of. And um, what I can't do, I don't think, is claim that you can only find these benefits at church and nowhere else in life, because you, you do find them elsewhere. But I think it's rare to find all of these benefits in one place put together as they often are in church. I think I think they produce something quite unique and quite special in church. Um, mm. So in an effort to make this uh, memorable, I've come up with three words for these three aspects of connection, and they are support, diversity, and magnifying. 
Okay. Starting with support then, obviously we know that being a Christian in any time in history is a challenge. Even when the culture we live in is nominally Christian in flavour, it's still difficult to follow Jesus. There's always some kind of sacrifice and commitment involved. So it helps to be around other people who have the same priorities as you, who can help you when you're struggling and, and who you can support. So there's mutual support. It can be physical in terms of being an extra pair of hands or a meal shared, or it can be emotional or spiritual. It is a shoulder to cry on or an encouraging thought and so on. And it's not only in the tough times it's good to share. We also get the benefit of having others to share our joyful moments with. Moments of celebration. They're always richer, aren't they, when they're, they're shared with other people. So you get both problems and happy times shared. And, and life is richer for that, I think. Of course, as a music teacher, I, I know that sharing praise with others is also valuable. So I mm-hmm. could, if I wanted to, I could I could watch a video of a great Christian singer on YouTube who gets all the notes bang on pitch with all the right emotions and an amazing backing orchestra. But I know I will feel closer to God if I actually sing in the same room with a group of people who I know well, who I know are in this with me and and share the same hope that I do. It's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, that might even be the case, even if the group around you aren't actually as musical or (laughs) it's not the most perfect performance. You know, is that the case? Yeah. That's really, that's fascinating, that is. Okay. And as the Romans quote said, that church should be like being part of family and there should be that feeling of unconditional love that you get from family. So even if you make mistakes or there's differences of opinion or even clashes of personality, you've, hopefully you should still feel confident these people will help you and you need it most. And we in turn should feel a sense of responsibility towards the other members and that, and that builds our own characters too. So 1 Corinthians 12, it, it says that God has put the body or the church together so that there won't be division in the body and so the parts might have mutual concern for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part gets the glory, all the parts celebrate with it. You are the body of Christ and parts of each other. So yeah, support is such a big thing that should be part of church. So yeah, you can be a Christian sitting at home, listen to a, the best service, listen to the best songs, but you're not being supported. You're not, you've not got the support. But I suppose equally flipping it on yeah. on its head, you're not there to support anyone that needs it if, as well. If, you, if you've yeah. not gone, if you're not part of people and starting to learn about their lives and their needs. And, and that really seemed a big thing that came through that Acts 2 reference, didn't it? And well, in fact, and yeah. Romans 12 and, and all through, you know, you, you you being there can be a support to others as well as receiving support. That's great. So, and 1 Corinthians 12 really, really helps. That that passage really helps to sum it up. So, diversity is the next thing you, you raised, the next word. What, what are you thinking about here? Yeah, it's a bit of a modern buzzword, isn't it? But I do think it's, mm. it's the case. In church, you usually have a more diverse mix of people, or you've got more chance of having a more diverse mix okay. of people than you might find in a particular workplace or a social situation. Because... Church members will often come from quite varied backgrounds and, and there'll be a mix of different ages. And I think this can provide us with a rich combination of perspectives. Uh, and we need to respect those perspectives and learn from them. I mean, just imagine the conversations and debates that would have happened in New Testament churches between all those mm. different groups of people from all walks of yeah. life. I think learning from each other so much. Yeah, we've already commented on that actually, haven't we? That there'd been Jews and Gentiles and slaves and masters and male and female yeah. with very different levels of education at that time, all suddenly bundled together and Paul is telling them all to to meet together and learn together and and help each other and that was the radical thing, wasn't it? It was a pioneer of diversity, the church in the first century. Yeah. Like you say, it really can be because anyone 
of a faith can come from many different backgrounds. So a church can be mm. a diverse place. It may be that many churches aren't diverse. They've, they've fallen into to not being that. That's probably a reflection of reality that we need to make. It's an absolute perfect situation imagined by the New Testament. The church is a, is a place of very different people coming together around one central person, Jesus. That's great. What about what are the other some other benefits of it then of diversity? So, so yeah. For, well, if you just think about Bible learning, for example, if you're trying to study a particular character from the Bible or mm-hmm. a particular passage from the Bible, and you're you're just studying it on your own at home, compare that mm-hmm. with the richness of discussing it with a diverse group of people. So, I reckon if we we had a discussion about the books of Ruth or Esther, for example, we would have access to both male and female perspectives. We might come out with a lot more ideas than just one of us studying it on our own, we'd get much richer understanding of living as strangers in a strange land if we discussed this topic with refugees, for example. Um, mm-hmm. So having a diverse group of people discussing spiritual ideas is always going to add a depth of richness to our understanding. And it hopefully, as well, prevents us from creating echo chambers where we only hear our own thoughts said back to us. You know, we should expect to be challenged and have our ideas questioned so we don't end up with this a strange kind of lopsided faith. So if I decided, for example, if I decided not to return to church in person after the pandemic, then if I wanted to learn something more about the Bible, I would listen to a podcast about a topic I was interested in, um, given by someone I know I like listening to, who probably has a similar perspective. And I would have done that week in, week out. And soon, without realising it, I would have been ignoring areas of the Bible, and I'd have been ignoring topics that don't affect me, or I don't come across. And this is what I think we need other believers for, to help us counteract a blinkering of our views. The Bible is not really intended just to be read on your own it's designed to be read aloud to a group and discussed and pondered over Mm. so the diversity in church is something that should enrich our study of the bible and and learning of it but actually as well like you say is this guardrail to stop us becoming this lone wolf crazy end time speculation hobby horse topics and it's so easy to do that, isn't it? Yes. If you're on your own you, and you don't yeah. realise it, but actually you've got onto maybe one wild conspiracy theory. And if you just attended church and talked to people with a different skill sets and different education backgrounds and and different mm-hmm. approaches to the scriptures, they'd guard against that that very odd theory that you've got. Yeah, that's I think that is a really important reason, actually. So church, what is church for? Why should we go there? Well, actually, it can really help us to become well-rounded and understanding as part of a diverse group of people and to not make us change the the image of Jesus that we've got into something that's fringe or unsupported or whatever. So I think that's really important. What was the third benefit? You said there are three things and and it would be easy to remember, but go ahead and remind me what the third one was. So, so far we've had support, we've had diversity and the third one is magnifying yeah, there are two aspects to this. Individuals who are modelling Jesus to others and then the church as a whole modelling Jesus to its surrounding community. So what I mean by that is when we attend church, we're hopefully inspired and motivated to become more like Jesus when we see fellow church members reflecting an aspect of Jesus. So maybe that's in the humble way they serve or the gentle way they lead mm-hmm. or in the patient way they endure trials. All those things can kind of encourage us 
be more like Jesus ourselves and to learn from their example. And then on a larger scale, a church which is going about its normal everyday activities is shining light to those around so that many will be attracted to it and curious about it and want to learn more. If a church is churching right, it, it doesn't really need to do special preaching efforts in order to grow. It just needs to keep doing its everyday wonderful activities and people will be attracted to that. So Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you broadcast the death of the Lord until he comes. And Jesus said, Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, And this was really evident in the Acts 2 quote, wasn't it, that we looked at earlier. Mm -hmm. He said they demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. It was just Mm -hmm. so obvious and apparent that something different was happening, something exciting Mm -hmm. with this group of people. Mm. Yeah, that's really important. It's something I think about a lot, actually. What's the whole purpose of the existence of the church that I go to? Well, it is to be this this light to the world. That's the Matthew 5, which you just alluded to there. I think the words of Jesus. Mm. This, And the other metaphor there is uh, this, he wants his d- disciples, his believers, to be a city set on a hill that can't be hid. You know, so it's just absolutely obvious to people around them. You can, as an individual, have some light that you shine, but but together mm. as a community serving each other and and living with the principles of Jesus, guiding every person of that community, it is it should be an absolutely perfect sight to behold that everyone should be in awe of, shouldn't it? I think that's yeah. so yeah, magnifying to be together with people that that believe this and live it. That's really helpful. It, that does build <laughs> maybe a bit of a rose tinted view of church. I'm I'm going to hazard a guess that not every church does church right. <laughs> There's going to be lots of churches, lots of communities of, of believers that don't have something like that, that don't have a wonderful church. And I'm, I'm, sure it, I'm sure it's the case probably in every single church, every single church community, that there are things that go wrong and things that don't always work. So people listening to us talk about this now, they might not have a church near to them. What do they do? Yeah, it is really important you've mentioned this because... We, we are talking about ideals here. We're talking about how churches should be, but because churches are made up of human beings, um, it's not always going to work out quite as we hope. Mm. So, and they're not even sometimes even safe places to be. You, you get toxic mm. churches where abuse is tolerated or where you're not encouraged to question or challenge what's being taught. And there's also I mean, there's whole countries where it's extremely difficult and even dangerous to attend church of any kind. And so this is going to be people who feel really isolated and resources like this podcast are important for helping people feel connected to other believers. And it is possible, I know from personal experience, that even if you are not physically connected to a church, it still does really help to have virtual connections, just like the apostles did with their letter writing so long ago. Yeah, so you might not um, all times through your life be able to physically be with a group of people. Mm. We've all just lived through a pandemic, haven't we? So yeah. we've all had periods where we've not actually been physically together, but but there's been still opportunities of connecting. So you don't have to just mm. watch a YouTube service and in a sort yeah. of transactional way where you just turn up and it just gets fed to you. You know, you can still interact. You can still interact virtually through emails, through, through whatever. So it, yeah, any kind of contact is really important, worth the effort. And those letters that the apostles wrote are so so great that we've got them, isn't it? They've really drawn a light or opened a window on, on the activities of the church that we can see through. So it's we're so grateful that they wrote and maintained contact with, with people. So yeah, that, they're a good example. Yeah. yeah, those letters show how God has the power and wisdom to bring good things out of challenging situations. 
So if any listeners are struggling to feel connected to a faith community, do please hang on in there. Keep praying and keep looking out for ways to connect. So I think you can meet a lot of these needs to a certain extent outside of what we might think of as formal traditional church. But I do think if you want the best support possible as a follower of Jesus, you need to be connected somehow to some other people who are also trying to follow Jesus. People who are going to spur you on, who will help you keep your eyes on Jesus and who will support you and in turn be supported by you as well. Mm, yeah, that's that's right. Everything we do here, we, we try and encourage people to find others that are are, are searching and, and studying and and reading the bible so that they can do it together and for all the reasons that you've you've brought up and and shown and hopefully you know if you listening you want to try and find people near you then feel free to reach out to us and ask the question and, and we might be able to help and, and find some churches the christian community that, that we're part of or even similar church communities that may be in a different geographical region to us we might be able to do that as well so please do reach out if, if you want that thank you very much it's been really good thank to you. talk yeah thank you all for listening in and yeah definitely get in touch even if you're not looking for, for communities do get in touch let us know what you think and any questions or anything else that you you can think of that you want to get in touch with go to biblefeed.org or find us on facebook or or instagram or twitter and i hope to see you next time you've been listening to the bible feed podcast thanks for joining us we're always keen to hear what you think and hear your questions on subjects you'd like us to discuss get in touch with us on our facebook page or send us a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey Thank you.